Thanks, John. I almost text John in the week to say, um, I probably aren't, I'm not going to be more than 20 minutes. You might need a, like a second act. And I didn't even know <laughs> that that was already planned. So there we go. Um, so don't worry. I haven't got like an hour to go. You can just, yeah. Um, so I'm going to be um, speaking um, this morning from the Book of Ruth. Um, it has nothing to do with the fact that actually my best friend Ruth has been staying with us over the weekend. <laughs> um, she said to me this morning, she's like, Hannah, I'm surprised you haven't come to me for any advice or examples or anecdotes. <laughs> um, so I said, mm, yes, sorry. Um, but the reason why um, I was speaking from Ruth is because I came across the book of Ruth as I've been um, reading through the Bible in a year. Um, I started in April um, because... Um, I missed it in January, <laughs> potentially, um, but also I found um, on the um, Bible app on my phone, um, there's a, um, a YouTube channel called The Bible Project, which do like almost like commentary um, vid short videos about um, different books and themes in the Bible. And I was looking for a new, um, a new daily reading, and I found that, and it was really, really helpful because it really um, kind of brought to life the... Um, the, the books in the Bible and has really helped me to see the, the overview and see the Bible as one book as opposed to several different um, stories. Um, so I'm up to Kings at the moment, two Kings. Um, so I've gone through um, the, the kind of the, the creation, obviously, and then the founding of the Israelites as God's people um, and how they have um, consistently let God down. Um, so he chooses them through his grace and he says to them, um, if I love you, if you do these things, if you love me, if you obey me, and you keep my commandments, I will bless you and X, Y, Z will happen. If you do not love me and obey me, then this will happen. And by the time, well, even before Kings, you get to the point where the other thing has happened because the Israelites have turned away. Um, and it's been a, a real um, kind of eye-opener that... Um, of God's faithfulness to us and that he never lets us go. And even though the Israelites were consistently failing, he consistently stayed with them. So um, Ruth comes um, after Judges. So um, you had Abraham um, leading the Israelites, followed by Joshua. And then when Joshua dies, there are judges. So there are men appointed to rule. Now, all the other nations had kings, but the Israelites had the judges. And... Um, they, some were good, some were bad. They kind of didn't do as, as good a job as Abraham and um, Joshua anyway. Um, but that's what the book of Judges is about, those judges. Kings is where Israel has said, God, we need a king to rule us like all the other nations around us. And Samuel, um, as a prophet, anoints um, the first king. So Ruth, Ruth lies in that kind of overall history of um, the Israelites. And it's a book about very ordinary people. Um, the, the main characters um, are uh, Naomi, Ruth, and um, Boaz. Um, Israelites living a fairly normal life. But it's actually a very key story in the history, both the history of the Israelites and also the coming of Jesus. So um, it, it kind of stood out to me because I feel very normal and very boring as a person. You know, when you, when you go to, um, like, I don't know, like team days or like, you know, where you don't know people and they're like, let's do an icebreaker and something inside me goes, oh no, I don't want to do an icebreaker. And then the icebreaker is, tell the group your name, um, what you do or like your job if it's at work and an interesting fact about yourself. And I immediately start thinking, 
oh no, <laughs> what's interesting about me? Uh, um, I don't know. And, and then as soon as you start thinking of some, uh, trying to think of a specific thing, you can't think of a specific thing. <laughs> I'm sure we've all been in that situation. Um, but I, I kind of live a fairly ordinary life. I had a fairly ordinary childhood. Um, Nothing very dramatic has happened, and um, I like being in bed by 10. Um, if, I, if I go out and I'm out beyond midnight, and we're on the way home, we're, ooh, ooh, this is a late night. And often the reason it's a late night is because we've walked up the hill to Mark and Hannah's house, and we've been playing board games all night. So there we go. So it's not even been very exciting. <laughs> but Ruth is a normal person. She's an ordinary person. Um, and this book about her and her relatives um, is especially relevant to those of us who feel very normal. So, um, the, other, the other aspect of this book of Ruth which um, can speak to us in our current situations is uh, the, one of the main characters, Naomi, is in a very um, tragic situation. Um, she has, um, we'll see in a moment, but she has suffered um, loss of her sons and her husband, um, and she's left destitute with no one around her. She's in like the depths of a valley in a really um, sad, sad situation. And um, the book of Ruth takes, takes us through Naomi's story from, from tragedy into um, redemption and joy and fulfillment at the end. So as well as if you feel normal, if you feel like you're in a valley that you can't get out of, this book is also for you. And I feel God has something to say to all of us, but especially people who are feeling normal and um, kind of in a, yeah, in a valley. So um, I would, I'm not going to read the whole book of Ruth, because it's four chapters, it's quite long. Um, so I'm um, sorry, Dave. If Dave was being paid, I think he would be earning his money today. <laughs> so thank you. I think I told you I wanted my presentation first, but I, the slides, but could we go straight to the video? Um, so this is um, a video from YouTube from the Bible Project. Um, we're going to watch like maybe three quarters of it. It's about four minutes long, um, and then we're going to pause because otherwise it will spoil my punchline, and then we'll watch the rest at the end. <laughs> Joys and hardships of our lives. There are three main characters in the book. Naomi, the widow. Ruth the Moabite, and Boaz the Israelite farmer. And their story is told in four chapters that are beautifully designed. Let's just dive in and see how this all unfolds. Chapter one opens with this line, in the days when the judges ruled. And it reminds us of the very dark and difficult days from the book of Judges. And here we meet an Israelite family in Bethlehem struggling to survive through a famine. And so in search of food, they move on to the land of Moab. Israel's ancient enemy. And there the father of the family dies, and the sons marry two Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah. And then the sons, they die too. And so they leave only Naomi and these new daughters-in-law. And so Naomi, she has no reason to stay anymore. And so she tells her new daughters-in-law that she's moving back home. And Naomi, she knows that the life of an unmarried foreign widow in Israel is going to be very hard. And so she compels the women to stay behind. Orpah agrees, but Ruth does not. She shows remarkable loyalty to Naomi, and she says, wherever you go, I'm going to go. Your people will become my people, and your God will become my God. And so the two of them return to Israel together, and the chapter concludes with Naomi changing her name to Mara, which means bitter in Hebrew, and she laments her tragic fate. Chapter two begins with Naomi and Ruth discussing where they're going to find 
food. And it just so happens to be the beginning of the barley harvest. And so Ruth goes out to look for food, and it just so happens that she ends up picking grain in the field of a man named Boaz, who just so happens to be Naomi's relative. We're told that Boaz is a man of noble character, and he notices Ruth. And so after finding out more about her story, he shows remarkable generosity to her. He makes these special provisions so that the immigrant Ruth can gather grain in his field. And in doing so, Boaz is actually obeying an explicit command of the Torah to show generosity to the immigrant and the poor. Boaz is so impressed by Ruth's loyalty to Naomi, he prays for her that God will reward her for her boldness. So Ruth comes home that day, and Naomi finds out that she met Boaz, and she is thrilled. She says Boaz is their family redeemer. Now, this family redeemer thing, this was a cultural practice in Israel where if a man in the family died and he left behind a wife or children or land, it was the family redeemer's responsibility to marry that widow, to take up the land and protect that family. So Naomi, she begins to hope that perhaps there might still be a future for her family. Chapter three begins with Naomi and Ruth making a plan to get Boaz to notice their situation. So Ruth is gonna stop wearing clothes of a grieving widow, and she's gonna show signs that she's available to be married. And so Ruth goes to meet Boaz on the farm that night. And as she approaches, Boaz wakes up and he's totally startled. And Ruth makes her intentions very clear. She asks if Boaz will redeem Naomi's family and marry her. Boaz is once again amazed by Ruth's loyalty to Naomi and her family, and he calls Ruth a woman of noble character. It's the same term used to describe the woman of Proverbs 31. So Boaz tells Ruth to wait until the next day, and he will redeem both Ruth and Naomi legally before the town elders. And so the chapter ends with Ruth returning to Naomi, and they marvel together at all of these recent events. In chapter four, it all comes together. It turns out, at the last minute, Boaz discovers there is a family member who's closer to Naomi than he is, and he's actually eligible before him to redeem the family. But at the last second, this family member finds out that he's gonna have to marry Ruth, the Moabite, and so he declines. But Boaz, remember, he knows Ruth's true character, and so he acquires the family property of Naomi, and he marries Ruth. And so Jeff Thanks, Dave. What's gonna happen next? Okay. Um, could I have my slides, Dave, please? Ah, it's working. So, um, that's, a, that's an overview. It obviously doesn't give us all of the detail, but that's the, the gist of the story. Um, so how then, does Naomi go from a point of emptiness to being fulfilled? In their normal lives, in their, in their everyday kind of, in the, in the situation that they're in, how, how does this family go from being empty to being full? And um, there are three key uh, kind of character traits that they display that um, I'm gonna go into slightly. Um, to look at, at, at what this, this, this book is, is telling us. So this was obviously a very strong family unit. So um, even though the daughters-in-law were in-laws, um, uh, Naomi commends them for um, looking after her well, for dealing kindly with her and with the dead. So they'd obviously um, 
kind of really bonded and responded um, with integrity and um, loyalty when their husbands died towards their mother-in-law. They've served each other really well, and they're both prepared to go with Naomi initially. Um, but Naomi knows what kind of situation she's in. She knows that she has no protection, no money, particularly in those days, it was very difficult for a woman to be alone without a male relative, and all, all her male relatives are now gone. So she encourages them um, to do what she thinks is the best thing and to stay um, in Moab. As we see, Ruth goes with her um, and Orpah um, stays uh, behind. And um, there's a passage um, in, um, I think it's chapter two, let me turn to it, where Naomi, like she, she's in a horrible situation. She certainly has cause to feel upset. Um, and that is something that, you know, we all experience. We're human. We're, we're built with emotions. And it's not, um, it, we, we respond emotionally to our circumstances. That's normal. That's natural. That's good. Um, we, we should grieve when we're sad. We should um, be um, happy when we're, in a, we're, we're joyful. Um, but what, um, what Naomi does is she goes, she takes it kind of one step further. And I think when we're looking at the word, we're, we're to look at um, examples that God wants us to follow, but also looking out for examples that he doesn't want us to follow. Because there's a lot in the Bible that is not good, and it's, it's not for us to, um, to kind of copy or emulate. Um, so um, she says in um, chapter 1, uh, verse 20, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity on me? So here, um, one... One, one way of looking at it is that she is, she's, she's really having a good old wallow. Um, and yes, she has every reason to be sad, but she's then turning that background on God and blaming God. And that doesn't line up with what we see elsewhere in Scripture. We see Job, um, we see Satan go to God and God give Satan permission. God has sovereignty. God gives Satan permission to afflict Job, but not to take his life. God doesn't do the afflicting. Um, and we can read in the Psalms that the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. So what Naomi's response here has gone a little bit overboard and she's, she's, she's blaming God for her situation. So here I think we are called not to... Um, not to follow Naomi's example in this, to be conscious when we are in those difficult situations, to keep our eyes fixed on God and not on ourselves. Yes, to feel sad and to feel the emotions, but to make sure that we keep everything in perspective. So how then does Naomi get out of this situation? So we start with the faithfulness or loyalty, you could say. Ruth demonstrates the first big act of, act of loyalty when she refuses to leave Naomi and stay in her own country but go to Israel with her mother-in-law. And this is a huge sacrifice for her. She's never been to Israel. She doesn't know anything about it. Um, and these women are alone. The easiest thing would be for her to go back to her father's house. But she remains faithful to her family, to her new family, and she goes with Naomi. Her sister-in-law couldn't face that, um, but Ruth 
kind of, she pushed through, she found that loyalty and faithfulness within her and um, went with her mother-in-law. Her next demonstration of um, loyalty is when she goes to work during the harvest. Um, now, she was the younger of the two women, so she was able to work, um, perhaps more able than Naomi. So she took on long days of physical labor um, in a field, I imagine it was hot, um, but she went to do that because that was the only means by which they could have food and eat and maybe sell the food um, for uh, money. The second demonstration, sorry, the third demonstration of um, faithfulness is, is Boaz. So he, he does the right thing by his family by, um, by marrying Ruth. He doesn't try to avoid the issue like the other man did. There was a disadvantage to him in marrying Ruth. He, yes, he might have acquired some land and some property, but he had to pay for that still, and then he had to marry Ruth. So it wasn't all to his advantage, even though he could kind of see Ruth's character and knew that it was probably worth it. Um, so he, he, he steps up and he does what is right, even when it causes him inconvenience. Um, and this, this character trait of faithfulness is the first thing um, that carries this family through. Um, it's a very powerful character trait, and it's very easy to be faithful when things are going really well. But are we still faithful when things aren't going so well? Do I still work hard when I dislike my job or I don't respect my boss? Do I stay loyal to family and friends when, when things are falling apart for me or when things are falling apart for them and they push me away? Do I continue to trust God when I'm pushing lots of doors and they're slamming in my face and I can't see a way out of the situation that I'm in? Um, and there are certainly times, I'm sure, for all of us in our life when we think, the, you know, I need change, something needs to happen and things are just not happening the way that um, you would like or that you want. This passage, I believe, tells us that we can and should stay faithful in those circumstances, both to what God has spoken to us and also to what he has put in front of us at that time. So the second character trait we come on to is obedience. Thank you. Um, and this is something, along with faithfulness, that I think we should copy um, from this passage. So Boaz lets the poor glean among his fields. Now, this is an ancient um, Israelite law um, whereby when the um, farmers take their harvest, they're not supposed to gather up every last bit. They're supposed to leave what falls by the wayside for the poor and the widows to come along behind them and pick it up. So even though this is hundreds of years after those laws were written and Israel is essentially in ruins and no one's really paying attention to these laws anyway, Boaz does. He is obedient to that law that he knows. And um, from that, he... He knows, he allows Ruth and Naomi to survive. And he doesn't only obey the letter of the law, but he goes beyond it and um, obeys the spirit of the law. So he doesn't only allow Ruth to gather um, the barley that's left behind, but he tells her to eat with the women in his fields. He tells his men to stay away from them um, so she's protected. And he's therefore kind of going the extra mile. And when I was looking this over, I was thinking, that reminds me of something. And, this, and when Jesus came, he didn't just obey the law, he took it one step further and he demonstrated to the Israelites what the, what the laws really meant. It wasn't just a case of obeying the letter of the law, it was a case of go that one step further, fully obey, try and understand what God is meaning by this and, and go the extra mile. And that's what Boaz does here. Secondly, Ruth obeys Naomi in proposing to Boaz. Now, this is quite 
controversial. Um, I was brought up in a, in a Christian home and with like certain conservative values, I suppose. And one of the understandings that I grew up with, which I think is fairly cultural as well, is that a man would propose to a woman. Um, and I remember um, in my old church, there was a couple who had been um, together for a while. And um, eventually, the, the girl said to, to him, um, if you don't propose to me within a year, I'll propose to you. <laughs> and this, I remember my, my, we were talking about this, and my mum was absolutely shocked. Like, <gasps> she would propose to him. Um, so this is, this is a very, um, especially in those days, a very kind of out there thing to do. And... Um, and Naomi is the one who's come up with this idea. Um, so it's all very well for her, because she can sit at home and send Ruth off and go and do it. But Ruth obeys her. She honours her mother-in-law, um, and she obeys her, even though she might not understand it, and even though there might be quite a lot of personal cost to her. And then Boaz once again obeys the ancient laws, as we saw in the video, by redeeming his relative, even though it might have caused him disadvantage and there was someone else who um, might have had to do it. Um, might have been able to do it before him. Um, so he, he steps in and he, he, again, he obeys the law. Um, he obeys it fully, even when it might mean that it, what he wants to happen doesn't have to happen. So this is another thing, obedience, that's easy to do when we agree with the command, when we understand it, when we can see the purpose behind it. But do we still obey when obeying would put us at a disadvantage? Maybe socially, maybe um, other people might disagree with our, um, or have an opinion about our actions. But do we obey when we can't understand the point and when we risk looking silly? Um, I know I've, I've struggled with this in the past. Do we, I, I believe this passage tells us that we should always obey God, no matter what the situation is that we're in and what the cost might be to us. Oops. So the third character trait that we see um, is boldness. So Ruth is, is loyal to her mother-in-law when she goes out to glean in the barley fields, but she's also bold. She's in a brand new country. I know when I've been abroad and you kind of, maybe you step up out of the train or the, um, the taxi or whatever, and you get there and you just think, ooh, <laughs> like totally different. You know, there's still buildings, there might still be cars, but everything's completely different to what you know. Um, and... Ruth doesn't know the land, she doesn't know the people, she doesn't know who that field belongs to, who that field belongs to, um, but she um, is bold and brave, and she goes out and she um, does what she needs to do for the sake of her family. And she's also bold when she proposes to Boaz. As I said before, Naomi gets to have this great idea, send her daughter-in-law off and sit at home and wait for her to come back. Um, was Ruth the one that has to go out in the night to this man in a risky situation where she might be seen and um, accused of various things, um, but she goes and she does it and she follows through with Naomi's plan. Boldness helps us to get to the next level. It's always, all very well being willing to obey God, but often we have to then do something about it, and if we don't have that boldness to go and do it, then we're not actually obeying God. We would just stay in the same place, willing, and, you know, yes, Lord, I'll obey you, but without that actual go and do it, um, it makes it very hard. Um, and that's something that I've, I often struggle with. I was very shy as a teenager. Um, still am in some respects, um, but especially as, when I was studying, um, we had clinical placements. So as a physio, I went and worked alongside a physio and learnt. And if I was ever given the choice um, to 
do something, I would always take the choice not to. So we'd about to go in to see a patient and the, the physio would say to me, do you want to lead on this one? And I'd say, no, <laughs> no, I don't. Um, if I was told, you're going to do this, I, wouldn't have had, I didn't have the boldness to argue and say, I really don't want to. So I just did it. <laughs> and that's what, that's what taught me. That's what got me through. I just had to do it and go, and go for it. Um, so um, I don't know whether that's boldness, or that's, a, that's just a process of learning and, and kind of practice and getting used to it. Um, but I believe there, there, there is a, a God-given boldness that we need often to take that step and obey God. So as we saw from the video, what happens in the end? Naomi goes from that point of being empty and in tragedy and in a, in a valley of death, and she comes to fullness. So Boaz marries Ruth, he redeems the family, um, Boaz and Ruth have a baby, so Naomi's got a grandchild, and I'm sure she never thought when she was making that long journey back from Moab to Israel that she would ever be that happy again. And I've seen uh, my parents are grandparents, they've got five grandchildren, um, and they love it. They absolutely love it, and it seems like um, it's almost a... It, well, it's an extension of their family, obviously. It's fairly, not, not the so different, but closest to having your own children, but with a really satisfactory arrangement that at the end of the day, you can hand them back and say, bye, see you next time. And they absolutely love it. And I can only, you know, imagine what, what Naomi felt, that fulfillment of um, everything that she's come through. Um, she now has family, she has a son, she has a male provider, and she has the... Um, her family line will continue, which is everything that was, was wiped away from her. And just as it's, um, as we as readers, we can take encouragement from that. So we can look at her situation. When she was on her way back from Moab, she had no idea that her situation was going to turn around. And when we're in our situations in our life, we, we often can't see the end. We have no idea what's going to happen and what's going to turn around. But when things turn around for Naomi, we can take encouragement from that and confidence and know that it's the same God who turned things around for her that can turn things around for us. And when we go through those little cycles in our lives, we can share with others and rejoice with others when we come through those situations and we can praise God and testify to his goodness um, for each other. And then that then helps you, I think, lift your head from your valley and see that you can, you can still come through. So the final concept um, is... Um, how the, how the providence of God winds its way through this whole um, story. Now, providence of God, it's, providence is quite an old word. I looked up a few definitions. Um, and essentially, it's the, um, the overall kind of care and influence of God in the situation without it being a direct do this or a direct God has done this miracle. Um, a couple of definitions include the foreseeing care and guidance of God or nature over the creatures of the earth, the, a manifestation of divine care or direction, the care and control of God. So as readers, we can see this. Um, in the video, the narrator uses the term, it just so happened that. Um, and in chapter two, um, where Ruth goes out and meets Boaz, um, Verse 4 says, And behold, Boab came from Bethlehem. What a coincidence that the field she's picked to go and glean in is, belongs to Boaz, who is a distant relative, but still the one who can redeem her. And that's something um, that, um, 
that we can see externally, but the people in the story can't necessarily see until the end. And something we need to always remember that God is sovereign and he is provident in our lives and he, ha he is influencing everything. So, so this story of redemption happens. Yes, God is provident over everything, but if Boaz hadn't been obedient to the law, if Ruth hadn't been loyal to her mother-in-law, um, and if Ruth and Naomi hadn't been bold in their plans and their actions, then maybe this all wouldn't have happened. These are the character traits that these people have, they, that they follow God um, and are loyal to each other, and that leads us to the purposes of God being worked out, and um, as I'm sure many of you know, that the, um, the child of Ruth and Boaz was an ancestor of King David, and King David was an ancestor of King Jesus. So there's the, the, the redemption of Naomi, which mirrors that redemption of Israel and the coming king. Um, can we watch the rest of the video, please? Just at the beginning, how Ruth was loyal to Naomi's family, so now Boaz is loyal to Naomi's family as well. The story concludes with a reversal of all of the tragedies from chapter one. So the death of the husband and the sons is reversed as Ruth is married again and gives birth to a new son, granting joy to Naomi. And this symmetry between the opening and the closing, it's even more remarkable. So remember the opening tragedy was followed by a great act of loyalty on the part of Ruth. And that is now matched by Boaz's act of loyalty that leads to the family's final restoration. And this symmetry, it highlights the design of the internal chapters as well. So each of the chapters begins with Naomi and Ruth making a plan for their future. And that's followed by a providential meeting between Ruth and Boaz. And each chapter concludes with Naomi and Ruth rejoicing at what's taken place. This story is beautifully designed, and that design actually connects with a really interesting feature of the story, and that's how little God is mentioned. Right, the characters talk about God a few times, but the narrator actually never once mentions God doing anything directly in the story, and that's its brilliance. Because God's providence is at work behind every scene of this story, weaving together the circumstances and choices of all these characters. So Naomi, her tragedy leads her to think that God is punishing her. But actually, the whole story is about God's mission to restore her and her family. And he's doing so through Ruth, through her boldness and loyalty, which brings healing to Naomi's life, but not without Boaz, who's a no-nonsense farmer who's full of generosity and loyalty. And so God uses his integrity combined with Ruth's boldness to save Naomi and her family. And so this story brilliantly explores the interplay of God's purposes and will with human decision and will. God weaves together the faithful obedience of his people to bring about his redemptive purposes in the world. And that leads to the real end of the story. The book of Ruth concludes with a genealogy showing how Boaz and Ruth's son, Oved, was the grandfather of King David, from whom came the lineage of the Messiah. And so all of a sudden, these seemingly mundane, ordinary events in this story are woven into God's grand story of redemption for the whole world.
And so the book of Ruth invites us to consider how God might be at work in the very ordinary, mundane details of our lives as well. And that's what the book of Ruth is all about. So then, the book of Ruth reveals to us that in the most normal and everyday of circumstances, if we respond, I mean, there's, there's obviously lots of, um, lots of things that God requires of us and lots of character traits that are not just these three, but particularly from Ruth, we're encouraged to respond to our situation with faithfulness, obedience, and boldness. And then God, in his infinite wisdom and his providence and his love, will finish our story for us. And that might be um, one story that comes around and ends, and then you move on to another. Um, it might be a larger one that spans more of your life. It might be one that is never finished. But there's a hope, because this, this story here leads us to the coming of Jesus. And Jesus finished it for us. He went to the cross, and his... His, um, his sacrifice on the cross, the forgiveness of our sins and the new life that that brings, that is the final story. Um, that is the end. And if we um, are feeling stuck in a loop, we can look forward. Yes, hopefully there will be some resolution on earth, but there is always a final resolution, a final end to the story um, of, of living with Jesus in eternal life that we can look forward to. Um, I'm going to pray, and then um, it would be good to have a few, a few moments of quiet, um, and then we'll sing um, a song or two. Um, and maybe just consider, I mean, I know for me that the, the biggest thing um, that God has been speaking to me recently is um, about, about faithfulness, um, about trusting him, and um, knowing that, that he is the author of my story, not me. Um, and that's something that I've tried to get from myself. I've tried to find more faith. Um, and it, it takes me to a point, but only so far. <laughs> um, and that I need to ask God for more faith. But we know that he, he does that for us. That's where we get our faith from. It's not from within ourselves. Um, so maybe consider whether you need, to, you need to ask for more faith. Whether you might have been too strong and you need to, you need to have a bit of a wallow. <laughs> Maybe you're wallowing too much and you need to refocus on God. Maybe you need to ask for an obedient spirit. Maybe you have an obedient spirit and you need the boldness to um, go ahead and do what he has already asked you to do. Yeah. Father, I thank you for your word and that um, you reveal it to us through your Holy Spirit. I thank you that um, even though we are um, broken vessels, as we heard this morning, and um, and and we yeah we are we are broken, and who am I to um, to expand your word to to these people? But but it's your spirit that speaks to us, and I pray that your spirit would move on everyone here this morning um, and reveal something new to them of what you have done for us and who you are. Um, and what you um, what you are asking us to do. Amen.